dwells in us. And Father, you said that you'd write your laws upon our hearts now after we get born again. And so, Father, we thank you that your law is on our hearts. And everywhere we go, Father, we know exactly what to do. Uh, every single day, Father, in every circumstance and situation, we know what to say and we know what to do, Father. And so we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for being kind enough and desiring uh, us to be able to live that way. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Um, you, you know, just to, as a... Um, in general, in, in a Christian, you know, my heart's desire for the church is that we learn to live uh, and walk by faith, you know, because there's such a, a value in living and walking by faith in all that you do. And it's not just about, you know, a lot of people, when they think living by faith, they think about, you know, cars and money and jobs or whatever. But it's also, uh, I mean, and that's fine with those things, you know, because don't we need to have a way to get around? Don't we need a way to eat? Don't we need uh, some funds to do some of those things? Well, we do. And, um, you know, no doubt some of those things can be taken um, out, of, out, of, uh, uh, out of context or getting out of balance. And, and there's been plenty of that. But that doesn't, that doesn't do away with the truth of that. But really, you know, faith is used to change any circumstance that is not lined up with the Word of God. Uh, and the biggest area of faith that you'll work with is in your life for you. Amen. Uh, and, you know, one of the things with uh, when Dr. Ed Dufresne was on the earth, we were at a minister's conference, and so we were at lunch, and, and um, he would open it up for questions. And so if someone asked a question, said, uh, Dr. Frank, what's been the hardest thing in your ministry? And, of course, you know, someone was thinking, well, he's probably going to say money. He's going to say, you know, having the right people or the right singers or, you know, whatever. Uh, he said, well, that's easy. He said, the hardest thing in my ministry uh, has always been me. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you think about that, uh, if you will work on yourself more than anything anything else or anybody else then you will always be okay amen you'll always have the funds that you need you'll always have um uh, the peace that you need the joy that you need uh, too many times in the church we we spend a lot of time doing this right here right well it's your fault you know it's your fault and that's your was well, for sure your fault right uh, and we do we do spend a lot of time doing that right and instead of spending a lot of time uh, looking looking at uh, at us and, and i remember uh you know, growing up the way that I did, and, you know, we had a good childhood. There was never, you know, it wasn't like abusive or, you know, starving every day. You know, we had, we had food every day. We had a place to sleep every day. And so, you know, it, it, uh, could things have been better? Well, I think in, there's no circumstance that I know that couldn't be better. Uh, and so, but still, you know, you grew up kind of a regular kid, uh, mad, you know, fighting, you know, and, you know, there's a lot of fighting and fist fighting, you know, real fighting, you know. People say fighting, you know, a lot of times they talk about, you know, they said the unkind word. That's not fighting. You know, that, that's saying, you know, being mean. Uh, fight, I'm talking about fighting where you're swinging fists and, you know, people get bloody noses and black eyes, you know, and uh, that's real fighting, right? Now, it's not a competition. You fight however you want to. I don't care. Uh, but, uh, but that's the way we grew up, fighting, you know, and, and, um, and sometimes inside the family, sometimes outside the family at school, you know, and, 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 um, and I just kind of thought that was normal. I talked to some people like, you mean you've never been in a fist fight ever? No, really? Never? Ever? No? Wow, you know, that's like none of my kids, you know. I mean, they almost came to blows. But, you know, I mean, to me, I, I mean, I, I, my last fist fight was the ninth grade, you know. I mean, you know, who, who gets in a fist fight in your junior year? But, you know, some, but, you know, my problem was, wasn't, I don't know if it's a problem or not, but I'm the youngest of 11, and, you know, I learned to just, I didn't take much off of people, you know. Bullies, I couldn't stand bullies. You know, people want to bully me. Now, I was never a bully, but people bullied me. I'd stand up to every bully, 
uh, every single time. And, and most of the time I came out ahead, you know, not always. You don't always come out ahead, you know. Uh, and so this is not, you know, a Hollywood movie. It's real life, right? Uh, and so, but, you know, ninth grade, some bully was picking on me. And, and I tried to delay it as long as I could, you know, avoid him. And, uh, but, you know, sometimes they just get a, a thorn in a cross towards somebody, right? Because it's just like the devil. He always tries to pick out who he thinks is the weakest person. And they thought I would, because I was smart and I did good in school. And so because of that, I must be an easy target. But they didn't know that I'd been in boot camp for, you know, all my life at that point in time. And so, um, and I'm not trying to glorify the flesh. You know, it happened. And, um, uh, but that was, I got, uh, you know, and I, I beat him up. You know, he, he, well, he started it, but, you know, I ended it. And, uh, and, um, uh, and, you know, we were supposed to, at, uh, where I went to junior high school, you were supposed to have corporal punishment. Remember, remember that? They could actually paddle kids. Now they'd tase you if you even thought about that. Uh, uh, and, um, and so... But we didn't get suspended or anything, and, and in fact, the teacher said, I know he was started it, you know, I still got to have to act like I did something, and so he acted like he did something, but he didn't do anything, uh, to me anyway, and the other kids, you know, I think they put him on a rack and, and uh, tortured him or something, but, uh, um, and so, uh, but, you know, grown, I grew up a lot of that way, and, and, you know, you get to be a Christian, that doesn't mean you get your mind renewed immediately. A lot of your emotions and thought life and thought processes get carried right over into your Christian life, you know. Uh, your philosophy of life. So it's not really Bible or doctrine. It's just, well, you know, this is the way. I don't take any lip off anybody. Well, that's philosophy. That's not Bible. That's just philosophy, right? That's how you choose to live. Amen? Uh, and what, you, what, uh, what I began to learn as I became a Christian is, Lord, I, I can see the person that I could become. I'm not that person, but I see the person I could become. Uh, and, you know, things that are important to me is being a person of character, being a person who tells the truth, being a person who's kind and yeah, and, and, you know, for, uh, I've been married for 32 years, and one of the things that, um, you know, for, for me, um, uh, you know, you're supposed to marry up, right? You're supposed to marry uh, above your, 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 um, your weight class, and I did, you know, because I, I've always felt like Chris had the heart that I've always wanted, you know, that, uh, uh, that if I could be and have the heart that I want, I would want to have a heart like she has, and, 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 and in that, you know, she, she has helped me all of these years, you know, so she was never a hindrance to me, right? I mean, the worst thing in the world is, is to marry somebody and it's a boat anchor, you know. Uh, you know, um, uh, John Wesley, he married a boat anchor. Anybody remember, read any story about John Wesley and his wife? She's so mean to him. Never once went to a meeting, you know, just so mean and just talked down to him all the time, you know, just, man, just, uh, just that would be so rough. And I know, I know people I've talked to whose marriages were that way. One spouse is all the time, you're sorry, no count, you know, worthless, whatever, well, I've lived in days of heaven for 32 years, uh, but, you know, that, that's helped me, right? It's pulled me along uh, because, you know, sometimes that old man wants to come out and, and be like the brawler that I was growing up, and, uh, but I don't, you know, I don't desire to be that person. I desire to be the person I see reflected in the Word of God, uh, and, you know, I spend a lot of time as I read the Word of God, I, especially in the Gospels, I, I like to read how Jesus handled things, and, you know, there's a lot of things, especially in the area of leadership, you know, one of the things if you observe and when you read the Gospels and how Jesus uh, operated as a leader, you know, he was never, he was never afraid of being a leader. He was never, uh, never suspicious that somebody was trying to take over. He was never uh, in fear that, you know, uh, someone, if, if someone does something, you know, uh, I'm afraid if I don't come down hard on them that they're going to think I'm a weak leader. He, he never operated like that. And if you go through the Gospels, you see, time and time again where the disciples would speak on behalf of Jesus. 
Remember uh, blind Bartimaeus? Hush, you know, you're bothering the master. Well, did they ask Jesus? To, that, Jesus, should we tell the blind man to, to hush? Uh, Jesus, is he bothering you, you know? Remember when, when the, the Syrophoenician woman came in, in uh, uh, Matthew 15? And um, they said, the disciples said, send her away. Uh, you know, so many times, right? And Peter, you know, get, uh, uh, when he told Jesus, you know, uh, it, it will not be so. Remember, it says he grabbed Jesus. And he said, when Jesus said, I'm going to go to the cross, he said, no, that's not going to happen. And then when Jesus told Peter that you're going to, you're going to, um, you're going to forsake me three times. He said, no, I'm not. You know, and I think that's amazing that somebody would backtalk Jesus that much and speak on behalf of Jesus that much. And it was all through the Gospels. I mean, from the time that he started to the time he went to the cross, they were always second-guessing Jesus, always backtalking him, always contradicting him. I mean, constantly. And yet he never did pull out, you know, I'm the son of God. How dare you? I'm the, I'm the leader here. How dare you? Go to your room. But I've seen many leaders in the body of Christ have that reaction, have that attitude, you know. Even in the church, even a local church, a pastor, you know, gets too big for his britches. I'm the pastor here, you know. And I know I'm the pastor here, and I know that, that in that I'm the highest authority, but Jesus was the highest authority, and he never had to pull that card. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I know just one time, I think maybe in all the years that I've been a pastor, I've actually had to pull the pastor card, what I consider the pastor card, one time. And it's when somebody said, they were telling me that, uh, that uh, someone they knew is a relative. They said, well, I told them they can't come to church here. And I said, well, uh, first of all, you could tell them that you're not going to give them a ride to church, but it's none of your business who comes to church here. And whoever wants to come to church here can come to church here, and that's up to me to decide, not for you to decide, just because you don't like somebody. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, in that I pulled the pastor card because they were hurting somebody else, right? And so... You know, that, and that's fair when you're harming somebody else. I don't care to step in and, and do that. But, um, uh, and, you know, sometimes Jesus did that, you know, when, when, when the man came to him, said, tell my brother to give me part of the inheritance. Who am I? You know, am I your judge? Uh, and, and so, you know, sometimes, you know, and the other man, you know, uh, Lord, let me go bury my father. And what did Jesus say? Let the dead bury the dead, you know, come follow me, right? So, I mean, sometimes he did uh, pull some slack out of people there. But, uh, but for the most part, his disciples, especially the, the, the 12 uh, inner circle, man, so many times they'd speak for Jesus. He just let it go. Well, why, why didn't he say anything? He's not afraid. He's not, he's not uh, concerned about his position that somebody's going to think him a weak leader because he doesn't care what people think about him. Amen. If the Spirit of God told him to say something, he would say something. But if the Spirit of God didn't instruct him to say anything, he just let it go. Uh, and, and, and so when I'm, when I'm seeing Jesus, you know, and I, and I love, that's why I love looking at, because he's the ultimate example, right? You look at, uh, uh, you like Paul, remember Paul and Barnabas got into a fuss and then they went their separate ways and you never heard from Barnabas again. You know, I don't know who's right in that. Uh, you know, it became such an argument, you know, I, I kind of leaned towards Paul because he was kind of the senior minister, but they had such an argument about it you know, is that the right, is that the right response, you know, to argue about it to the point, you remember the story where, where uh, Mark was with them, with Barnabas and Paul, and they were traveling together, the three of them, and one time when they were traveling, Mark left them and went back to Jerusalem, where his mama lived, uh, and uh, he's called Mark and John Mark in different places, and he's the author of the book of Mark, and, and so, uh, well, the next time they went to go, Barnabas, uh, I think he was like Barnabas's nephew or something like that, 
uh, and uh, they were ready to go, and, and Barnabas said, yeah, we're going to take Mark. And Paul's like, no, we're not going to take Mark. And Barnabas said, oh, yeah, we're taking Mark. And Paul's like, no, we're not taking him because he was unfaithful. Well, you know, it's kind of fair, right, if you're unfaithful, you know. And so, uh, but they got so, uh, they got so mad at each other, they went their separate ways. Now, that was around, well, I don't know if that was uh, Acts, uh, that was probably around Acts 15 or so, somewhere in there. Um, well, I know it was, it was probably Acts 15 or so because 16 is when he was with Silas, right? So he'd already replaced Barnabas with Silas in Acts 16. So, but, you know, the, the thing that you wonder is from that point on to the rest of the book of Acts, the word Barnabas never appears. And so, you know, maybe, maybe Barnabas should have yielded to the senior minister, right? Uh, and so, but, you know, uh, so I don't really look to even to Paul, for example, as like that, because that's not doctrines or doctrine. And I look at Jesus because he's, I know whatever, however he operated is the way I should operate. Uh, and so for Paul and Barnabas, I leave it alone. I don't really know. I wasn't there. Uh, and um, I can tend to lean towards Paul in that because of the whole uh, situation. Paul writing two thirds of the New Testament. I think that was give him some some leeway there. But um, but anyway, you know, the word of God shows you the person that you can become. But you can only become that person if you choose to do that by faith. And you can only become that person if you choose to get up every day and say, Lord, uh, uh, what do you want me to change today? And he'll tell you something. Uh, and I don't really say that every day, but, you know, I'm always attentive to when he, when he tells me things and tells me of my heart and shows me of my heart that I change. You know, and so many times we, we get our feet so like concrete, I ain't changing, I ain't changing. That's such a sad place to be because there's such a great blessing that we can become and that we can have if we will choose every day to walk by faith and say, Lord, uh, I will become that person. Uh, and, and, you know, I think I told you uh, years ago, I was listening to uh, Brother Hagin's message. And, and, you know, if you look at uh, Kenneth Hagin's ministry, his ministry was really established uh, and, and set the tone of his ministry was really the love of God. More than anything else, more than the visitations, he had seven or eight major visions with the Lord Jesus, face-to-face visions with the Lord Jesus, had signs, wonders, diverse miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit operating in his ministry. He was a great prophet of God, prophesied several things, major events of the United States, both in the church and in the government. The Lord prophesied to him, and he wrote them down. People, and they were public. People knew about him, uh, like John F. Kennedy. He, knew, he said he will never, he will never uh, complete his first term of office. And he was, he was killed, right, within the first year or two of his term. And Bobby Kennedy, he knew that he would die. He prophesied, you know. He wasn't saying, he wasn't prophesying, and his prophecy is what caused it to happen. Prophecy is to tell you what will happen, amen. Now, sometimes those things can be changed. Uh, and, uh, but lots of prophecies like that, that the Lord told him about economic downturns and recessions in the United States. Uh, and, um, and, of course, he had Rainbow Bible Training Center, which has produced thousands and thousands of graduates of spirit-filled tongue-talking, you know, charismatic, uh, faith-believing uh, ministers around the world. Uh, and yet, the, I believe his greatest uh, asset that he's left to the body of Christ is his walk of love. Uh, and so, he was, uh, I was listening to a message one time, and, and he said, you know, I never have ill thoughts about anybody. I never have any ill will about anyone. And, and I thought, when he said that, now, you know, I've been a Christian, spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christian for like 10 years or so by that time, and, you know, nearly forever, right? Uh, and so, uh, but I, the, just him saying that, I thought, who lives that way? Who can live in that way where they're not just mad at somebody all the time and, and got a list about somebody all the time that you're on my list and you're on my list and, oh, yeah, you're on my list and you're probably going to be on my list and 
you know what I'm saying? Just the list. We all, we, uh, how many times have we all had lists, right? We've all had lists over the years, uh, and, and he has no lists. And I thought, who, who lives that way? And I, and, I, and I said out loud. In fact, I pointed, I remember pointing to the cassette player in my car. Anybody remember cassette players, right? If you don't know, but you can go online and read about them, the Smithsonian or somewhere. But, and it was a cassette player, and I said, someday I'll be able to say that. And I have worked, you know, uh, as diligently as, as I know to get to that point where I'm just not going to have ill will against anyone. You do me wrong, I'm going to pray for you. You know, that doesn't mean I like being around you. You know, I mean, lots of people I don't like being around, but I don't have any ill will towards them. You know, I, I wish no harm to them. In fact, I pray blessings for them. Amen. Uh, and and so, um, so I just encourage you, you know, uh, many times, at least four different times in the, in the word of God, it says the just shall live by faith. And years ago, the Lord spoke to me. He said, you know, your problem, because, uh, you know, if you want to live by faith, you're going to have to let the Lord deal with you, right? He said, your problem is you don't live by faith. He said, you have faith events. Right? So I believe God for a thing, a widget, you know, a toy or car or whatever. And I put all my energy in that faith and I get it. And that's it. And then I don't use faith again, maybe for the next week, month, year, whatever. Uh, and, and then something else comes up I need, I'm going to believe God for that. And I apply faith for that. He said, so you have faith events. He said, my word says you're supposed to live by faith. That means every day, right? Uh, and it changed my life when he spoke that to me. It changed because, because I was so used to, you apply your faith, you know, you whip it out like a pistol, right? And you, you know, I need that, and I need that, and I need that, you know. And, and when you're done, you put it back in your holster, and you don't take it back out for a while. Uh, but that's not how he said to live. He said to live by faith, amen? And that means that, we live by faith to, to hear his voice when he speaks to us to change. Yes, sir, I'll be glad to do that. Those attitudes that we have every day, right, uh, to change uh, all the time. Amen. Uh, and so I just want to encourage you, you know, uh, live by faith every day. Live by faith. Become the person that, that you can become. Uh, and, and, you know, one thing my pastor said years ago, and it's been it just, uh, you know, it, it's such a it, to me, at least it was such a big thing. Uh, he was talking about how oftentimes especially as, you know, we get older in years. Uh, you know, Dr. Refrain uh, would talk about how people get so, uh, uh, so grumpy and, and grouchy as they get older. It's mean, you know. Rah, 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 rah. He said, we're supposed to mellow with age, you know. And, and, um, uh, but my pastor said that, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the times the reason why we don't change is we, we look at it and we say, it's too much effort. I'm here I know I could be way over here where I should be, uh, but I'm not. You know, I'm, I'm over there, but I know I should be way over here. And we look at, the, we look at the, the effort to get from here to there, and we say, it's too much work. And he said, it's never too much work. He said, all you have to do is start. Uh, and I just thought that was just such a good uh, amount of wisdom because uh, if the Lord shows, you know, because there's been times he showed things to me in my heart, and, I, and it would just crush me. And I, and I would say, Lord, I'm so far from that verse. I'm so far from that. I, I can see where I am, and I see where I could be. I'm so far from there. And, and it's almost overwhelming to think, Lord, what would it take to get there? What would it take to be that person? Uh, and so many times we think uh, we're like the rich young ruler. It's too much. It's too hard. And we walk away, and we never become the person that we could be. Amen. The person that we were ordained to be from before the foundation of the world. Yeah. And so, you know, I'd encourage you, it's never, it's never too late, it's never too hard, it's never too long, it's, it's always worth the effort, amen? Because what you'll find is they get easier, you know, when the Lord tells you to change things, those things get to be easier because you practice your faith, right? You, you get exercised in your faith, and you get used to changing, you get used to 
you know, removing those, those sorry statements of, you know, that's just the way that I am. That's the sorriest statement, you know, that's the sorriest, boring, I mean, it's just, just dumb, right? It's just the way I am. Well, do you look, is that just like Jesus then? Is that the way you are like Jesus? If it's not like Jesus, then you got to change. Because the thing is, you're either going to change now or you're going to change in heaven. It's not like, you know, uh, it's not like you get all new thoughts when you get to heaven. You're still you when you get to heaven, right? And uh, be, be embarrassing to go to, have to go to church for 50 years and then start up in kindergarten in heaven, right? Uh, you, how long did you go to church? 50 years. Well, it doesn't look like it, so you got to go back to kindergarten, right? And, and so, uh, but uh, I don't want to go to kindergarten. And, you know, uh, there's a good chance if you don't change now, he's going to uh, put you under me in heaven anyway, and we'll go through a thousand years, so you might as well learn now. It's easier to learn now than it is in heaven, right? So, well, I say it is. I don't know if it is or not. You know, we'll find out, right? But, um, and I don't know if he's going to put you under me or not. You know, I'm just, uh, but it'd be kind of ironic, you know, when... <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, and no doubt, you know, when I get to heaven, my pastor be there, he'd be like, you know, uh, I look forward to seeing him someday, amen? Uh, and so he was my pastor for 20 years, and he went home early, a lot of reasons for that, but um, we're not going to go into all those today. So let's open up our Bibles, the book of Philippians chapter 2, we'll continue there today. So uh, we had read uh, verses 5 through 11, uh, Philippians chapter 2, and it's really talking about uh, it, it sets the tone in verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So, so he's telling us, look at Jesus as your example. So he didn't say, look at me. You know, the other times Paul did say, follow me as I follow the Lord. But here he's saying, look at Jesus, right? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Then he talked about the great acts of service, servanthood that Jesus did uh, to, by going to the cross and doing those things. And then the value that he got out of that. that so not only did he uh, do the things he was asked to do. He was obedient, but there was blessings in, in great blessings, right? He had great works that he had to do, but he received great blessings because of his great obedience. Uh, and so don't ever feel like, uh, sometimes people think that God uh, won't, won't pay up. He'll always pay up, amen? He'll always take care of you. And, and if there's anything in my life that I'm 100% convinced that, if I do right, no matter how much it costs, I'll always be okay. No matter what the cost, it'll always be okay. Amen? Uh, and, um, you know, I've told, told those stories several times, but um, I think it fits here. But, you know, with my pastor, you know, of course, uh, we had many years of days of heaven with my pastor, and then we had many, many uh, uh, wilderness years, uh, me and Chris, there with my church, with my pastor, and, and uh, those were tough years, right? I mean, just harsh, you know, getting up in the pulpit, calling you by name, you know, Chip Bully wants to take over this church, you know, and, who in here thinks that uh, Chip Bolero thinks he's better than everybody else? And uh, have you ever done that? That'll never happen in this church. Right? We ain't gonna do any devilish stuff like that. But you know it happens, and, and so you can't change it. But uh, but one time, uh, you know, part of my pastor's difficulty was uh, he had a hard time trusting people, and, and so he became suspicious because well, and you know I say rightfully so. It's not really. There's never right to be to be okay that way. But it's never okay to be that way. But there were so many times, you know, early on when people come to him. In fact, there was a husband and wife came up there, and, and the husband was some kind of a minister. You know, I think maybe he even had been associate pastor or something for a while. But the wife kept him and said, told my pastor, said, the Lord said, if you don't give this church to my pastor, you're going to die. Now, that's really disrespectful, right? Because first of all, I can't imagine the Lord telling you that, right? Why would the Lord tell you that and not him? Uh, you know, that didn't make any sense, right? And, and of course... That wasn't the only time that people tried to do that to my pastor. And, and you know, people all the time. I mean, uh, we, and we, you know, a smaller church that we've had, we've had people want to come in here and want to take over. 
And it's like, it ain't going to happen, right? You know, uh, it's like someone told Dr. Dufresne one time, he had a thousand members in his church. And someone came to him and said, I could pastor this church better than you. He said, well, you probably could. He said, the difference is I'm called to be here and you're not. Goodbye. Uh, and so, of course, he was kind of that way, right? Uh, but so, so my pastor struggled with, you know, people just doing unkind things. And, and, um, and so it's not that those things aren't going to happen. It's how do we deal with them, right? How, how, do, how do I deal with them? And so, you know, he left me a lot of great things to do. And then he left me some things not to do. So I, I, I always observed how bitter he was towards people in a church and how, how, how suspicious he was of really everybody in the church. Uh, including me, you know, and I never did nothing to except desire to help them. And, uh, and, um, uh, and so, so, you know, one time uh, he, he, he just, on, it, was, it was a Wednesday night and I was running the sound and he said, uh, well, we need, uh, he said, I don't like elders. Elders always try to take over the church. So we're going to have spiritual leaders. So what do spiritual leaders do? Exactly what elders do. So why don't you want to call them? I'm not calling them elders. Okay, fine, you know, but, you know, that, but that was his thing, right? He didn't want to call them elders because he had had bad experiences with elders, and, and so we're going to call them spiritual leaders. Okay, fine. And, uh, but see, by that time, I knew that anybody who ever, who ever uh, advanced in that church would get shot after a while. You know, just uh, I saw it time and time again, just what, for whatever reason, I mean, a thousand and one reasons, but every single one, without exception, got shot, you know, not physically, but, you know, called down, you know, publicly uh, humiliated in the church and whatever. And he said, Chip, you want to be a spiritual leader? And I thought, I mean, it was a tough call because I thought, well, on the one hand, no, I don't want to be a spiritual leader because of all the grief I've seen. But on the other hand, if I say no, I'll be shot and buried anyway, right? So I can be the shot and do it and get shot or not do it and get shot worse, right? Uh, I mean, he'll shoot you and then he'll kill you dead, right? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's which, which one do you want, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I was 50-50. I really didn't want to do it, you know, but, and, and I wished I hadn't done it because as soon as I did it, he quit talking to me because he was afraid that now that I'm a spiritual leader and he asked me to, to be the, the lead of the, the spiritual leaders, whatever that meant, and he just, he never would talk to me again after that. We used to have a great relationship, you know, but uh, be, because he assigned me to this role that I didn't want to be anyway, then he, then he got suspicious of me. But So one day they, he, uh, uh, he called me up and said, hey, I want you to look at the books of the church, see if everything's okay. Okay, you want me to look at anything particular? No, just look at them, see, see what you think. Okay, I mean, I'm not an accountant, obviously, I'm an engineer, right? And, but I'm really, really good at Excel, right? And so, so send me this stuff. So they sent me, and it was a fine, I mean, there's nothing, you know, it wasn't like, you know, uh, you know, what's all this money going to this woman over here for, right? There's nothing like that going on. But there was, there was one thing in there that was a consistent $1,000 expense every month. And I didn't, you know, and it was really weird, you know, it's like, what is this? It didn't really give any details, you know, and, and so, and I remember talking to my wife about it. Yeah, hey, I found this, and I wished more than anything that I didn't find anything, but he asked me to look into it, you know, and so what do you do, right? You do what you're supposed to do, and you got to live right, no matter what, no matter the cost, you got to do right. And so, so, and I, and I waited like weeks, like two weeks from the time I found it to the time I called him and said, hey, can we get together? And I was like in fasting and prayer, you know, I probably didn't fast, but uh, I was in prayer a lot. Lord, what do you want me to do? I don't want to, I don't want to tell him this because, you know, anytime, hey, look, you come up and tell me I'm doing something wrong, whatever. I mean, you know, if I'm doing it right, if I'm really, I'm doing it wrong, you know, no problem. I'll straighten up, right? You know, and, and thank you. And I, and I appreciate it. Now, if you're just going to be, you know, I've had somebody come and say, well, you know, you said uh, Abraham, it was uh, uh, 40 righteous. It was really 35. Like, okay, whatever, you know, I mean, you're going to. 
ding me for for uh, you know misquoting a, a number out of uh, uh, out of uh, Genesis 18. Okay, fine. Uh, but you know, if there's really something that that's uh, that you're sincerely concerned about, I got no problem with it. Amen. If you're sincere, amen. If you're if there's other things going on, and the Lord show me. You know, he uh, he showed me lots of things about the conditions of people's hearts, and you all look fine right now. And no problems going on, right? So don't bend over what you talking about. You all are good, amen. But uh, and so, like two weeks passed by, and finally comes, hey, I, Pastor, um, I, I, we got finished looking at the books. Um, can we get together with you, the secretary, and your wife? Because number one, I, I knew I got to have witnesses, right? I got to have witnesses there. That way, there's nothing, you know, everything that's said, everybody knows what's said, right? Uh, and, and so we went. We went to the meeting and and. Um, uh, and I said, well, you asked me to look at the books, and here's what I found. I said, this, I said everything looks fine except there's just one odd $1,000 a month expense. doesn't tell you what it doesn't, you know, because everything else it had the description. Here's what it's for, right? This one, no description, just money, right, going out. So what is that? I said, well, that's, that's where um, uh, my pastor had been diagnosed with, with hepatitis, I think it was hepatitis C, it was a liver disease, and so he's on expensive medication, right? And so the church was footing the bill for the medication. But he had, he had, he had uh, insurance. And so what they were doing, they were basically uh, floating the bill for him, right? Until, until his insurance kicked in. At least that, that was my understanding, right? So the church would pay for the medication. And then eventually the, uh, the insurance would, would uh, pay them back. Uh, and, and I said, well... I said, the problem with that, there's no paperwork, right? There's no paper trail. There was no board meeting that says you can do this with the money. There's no, and you know, as a 501c3, you have a fiduciary requirement that you cannot look like you're uh, setting up the corporation for your personal benefit. And it looked like they were doing it for his personal benefit, right? Because he had a great salary. I mean, I, in fact, I was the one who set up his salary. Put salary in there, automatic pay raises every year, uh, a bonus every three months. You know, it was set up, you know, they could have done, uh, he, he, he was well paid for the size of his church. Uh, no problem on finances, you know, because I know I'm the one who set it up. Uh, and, and so I said, the problem with this is it looks bad. It looks like you're laundering money. It looks like you're, you know, uh, using the church as your bank account, and, and that's not your money. Now, other people have a different opinion. Some people's opinion is all the money in the church belongs to the pastor. You know, it's not really true, right? It's just, it's, you know, we bring money in as a collective body of, of the Lord. It's not all my money, right? It's not all for me. It, it, uh, I, I don't do this, for, first of all, for filthy lucre's sake, right? Uh, uh, and so, uh, and you all do fine. You all take care of me just fine. You all take care of the church's uh, uh, expenses just fine, right? So, uh, but I said, it looks bad because there's no, there's no paper trail that says this is okay to do this. Uh, and, you know, people go to jail for stuff like that, right? It's called embezzling, uh, you know, and, and um, now he's paying it back, but is that still, it's still embezzling, right? Well, I paid it back. Yeah, but it's still wrong, amen? It doesn't matter if it's, if you paid it back eventually, you know, it, it made a great scheme of things. And, and he said, well, well, he said, What's, well, what should we do? I said, well, we've got a bunch of options here. So number one, we've got to stop doing that immediately. I said, we can either, you know, uh, increase your salary. I mean, the cleanest thing would just be to increase your salary to the point where you could just pay that out of your salary. Then that's then it's easy, right? You just write a check out of your account. Church's money separate. Your money separate. Everything's separate. Clean, right? No problem with that at all. 
I said, that's one option. I said, we can get the uh, board together. We can write, you know, put some minutes together and say that, you know, we chose to do this. Uh, and um, I mean, that's an option there. I said, but number one, it's got to be done immediately. And he said, well, what about the, the $12,000 that I've done so far? I said, well, I mean, you're paying it back. And, and as far as I know, you've paid this back. Uh, and I asked the secretary, has he been paying it back? Well, yeah, he's been paying it back. So he wasn't really out any money. The church wasn't really out any money overall. Uh, and so, and that was the whole thing, right? But I knew about halfway through, it's just not going good. You ever got that sense, you know, like I'm talking, but you know, there, there, there's fires being stoked up on the other side of the aisle here. And, and I'm, I'm trying to have an adult conversation, right? I mean, we're, aren't we adults? You know, sometimes we don't act like it, but you know, in my, in my, my general philosophy in life is as Christians, we're adults we can act like adults and talk like adults. Amen. Hey, you know, uh, let's change this. You know, how dare you? You know, people all the time use their emotions to control situations. You know, if they're, especially if they're ever confronted, they'll use their emotions to try to control it. And I'll just wait. You know, let them blow off steam or cry or whatever. But, you know, they're just trying to use their emotion to control it. And, and let's go back to, to the previous discussion. And so, uh, so I wasn't trying to take anything over you know, it, it, this wasn't even my idea. This was his idea. And, and it was looking bad, you know. And, and people may say, well, I disagree with that. Well, fine, you know, you can do that. And they could have said, look, we disagree with that. We think it's fine. And I've been, fine, okay, no, no problem. I mean, I don't care. You just asked me to, to look into it. Here's what I found. And, and basically, it was like, you do whatever you want to with it, you know. And, uh, and, um, but I knew as soon as, I got, as soon as the meeting was over, it just, it didn't go so good, you know. Now, I thought, it, you know, I mean, I, I was up front. I said, no, you don't have to pay the money back. Uh, I said, just well, change it. And you let me know what you want to do. And, you know, we'll get the board together. We, you know, we can make it official to either, you know, increase your salary or, you know, put the minutes together. I don't really care. I don't have, a, you know, whatever you want to do. You know, I mean, I, you know, I, I just gave him some suggestions and, and let him decide. And, but, I, but as soon as I walked out the door, I just, it, it was over. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, I got cut off. You know, I used to get the, the uh, financial uh, minutes of the church every month. Right. They'd send me the financials of the church and I'd look over them. You know, this has been on for months and months, you know, maybe even years. But uh, <laughs> I got cut off. And OK, that's step number one. Right. They're going to cut you off. Right. And look, who, who, who asked me to do it? Well, they asked me to do it. Right. Uh, and look, if I ask you to do something and, and you give me an answer that I don't like. I may tell you, well, you know, I'm not going to do that, but I'm not going to be mad at you because it's not what I, because what's the point? If you're just going to tell me what I already know, you know, well, what do you want to do, Pastor? Well, I already know what I want to do. I want you to tell me what you think we should do, right? What's the point of asking you if I just want you to tell me what I already know? That's, that's of, of no value to anybody, amen? And that's the way I think. And uh, Because don't you all have the Holy Ghost in you? The, you, got, you got the Holy Ghost in you? Surely he tells you things, too. Surely, I'm not the only one in the universe he ever tells me anything, right? I'm the only one in the universe he gives wisdom to. He gives us all wisdom. And so, so it was over, you know. And, and so, and then later on, uh, about a week later, uh, he had somebody come tell me. He didn't tell me himself. He had somebody come tell me. You know, that's, that's step number two, that's right? They cut you off, and then they don't talk to you directly, right? <laughs> you know, they, they box you out of everything. And, uh, and, and go tell them that uh, I paid that money back. And I thought, oh, and so someone came and told me, uh, uh, Pastor, once you know that he paid that money back. Now, I didn't tell that person this, but I'm thinking, that's dumb. Why would, he already told me he paid it back, so why are you paying it back a second time, right? You know, now, 
is it any of my business? None of my business, right? I mean, I, you know, I mean, I, I'm not the pastor. Didn't answer to me. I was on the board, but he didn't answer to me, right? I was there as a help to him, and I knew that 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 that, that was my role. I wasn't supposed to do. Wasn't supposed to take over, fix him, or anything like that. He, whatever he wanted me to do, that's what I would do to help. And, and so, from that point on, though, and 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 I remember, you know, about that time, you know, because I always had to take him his microphone and get him set up for the for the mic. And, and uh, I said, someone said that you paid that money back? Yep. Okay, okay. And I didn't say you're wrong. You didn't have to do that. None of my business, right? I mean, I, I'm not there to correct him, not there to tell him he's, what he's doing is wrong. It's none of, really none of my business. But from that point, for the next five years, it was hell on earth. I mean, just so mean to me, so, so hateful to me. And it got worse every year. And, and you know, after a while, I'm, I kind of forgot about it, to be honest. I forgot that whole conversation because... I didn't do anything. And so I'm thinking, well, I, you know, I have no guilt. I have no, you know, there's no conviction in my heart from the Spirit of God. No, you know, I'm just minding my own business. And all of a sudden, you know, I get accused of all these things, you know, and all this stuff going on. And, and then he sicked his, his lap dog on me. And, and I mean, just, just, I mean, mean for years. Why'd you go to church there? I asked the Lord many times to leave. You know, Lord, you know, no. You, you know, and well, actually, more often than not, he wouldn't tell me anything. And so one thing I learned from Brother Hagen is if he doesn't say anything, you go back to the last thing that he said, which is to go to church there, right? So that's what he said. And, and so for me, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Whatever he tells me to do, no matter the cost, that's what I'm going to do. I didn't like it. I wasn't happy. And we're going to talk some more, a little bit more about that when we get into healing the brokenhearted. Uh, but, you know, a lot of emotional trauma, a lot of emotional distress on my part, you know, and just was a zombie for a long time. And and we were at uh, praise and worship practice one, one night. And I don't even remember how the conversation came up. Uh, but he was yelling at me, right? Which is not an unusual occurrence, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, have I ever yelled at any of y'all? I never have yelled at y'all, right? And so, um, and I never will yell at y'all. Uh, but he's just yelling at me, screaming at me, you know? And, uh, and um, he said, you cost me $12,000. And immediately I knew. I knew what the, whole, what the last five years was all about. That he was being so mean to me because he was trying to get me, by being mean to me, to get me to, to repent of my horrible suggestion to not embezzle money from the church, right? <laughs> but they never would actually say that, right? So, so the, the intention was to pressure me by being mean to me to get me to yield and repent. And, and, yet, and I'm clueless, right? I'm like... Life is good, Lord. I've done anything wrong. No, okay, I'm going to keep on going, right? If Lord, don't tell me I've done nothing wrong. I'm going to keep on going, amen? But as soon as he said that, I knew that's, that's the deal, right? And right there, and the, I sit on the front row, you know, about where my wife sat, sitting right there. And I said, well, I'll just pay you back. I'll just give you that $12,000 back. And, and you could just see all the, all the air deflated from him because he's all puffed up, mad at me, you know, scream at me. And, 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 and I said, I'll just pay you the back. And, he, and he's just like... He didn't know what to do. I mean, what do you do, right? You just, okay, no problem. I'll pay you back, right? And so, uh, and that's what I did. I went, I went home and, you know, of course, I had to talk over my wife, but she, she's like, whatever it takes, because she was tired of the fight, you know, because fighting all the time. How many years fighting, right? She said, she'd say, I just wish they'd fight it out and get it over with. But the problem is, you know, I, I got to the point where, look, if I hadn't done thing wrong, I'm just not going to repent, because they would want you to repent for even things that they thought you did. And it's like, look, that's a lie. I'd, I'd, have, to, I'd have to lie to say I've done wrong, and, and I just wasn't going to play that game. 
And I don't believe it was just stubbornness or anything. It just, you know, I'm not playing these games. You know, I, I, you know, life is real. All these mind games people play in church, so exhausting. It's just so waste of good energy, waste of good effort, you know. And just so much of that stuff, politicking in church, I mean, we ain't never having that around here. And, and if that means that we don't grow as fast as maybe some other church, I don't really care, you know, because... Now, the Bible says where, where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. And I'd rather have no envy and strife and have to ask or, or encourage a few folks to move on and not have any confusion in every evil work. I mean, wouldn't it? To me, that's a pretty good trade-off. Now, you, now you, look, it's not an either-or. You can have a big church and not have envy and strife, right? It's not, well, every big church is full of envy and strife. That's not true. I don't believe that at all. Uh, and so, so I... Uh, I decided to pay it back. So, you know, of course, I didn't have $12,000 in my checking account. I had to sell some stock here and, you know, whatever this is, you know. And uh, Brother Randy always said he had to kill Peter to pay Paul, you know. And I had to figure out how to move around a bunch of money. And, and finally, we, we got the money and, and um, scheduled a meeting with the pastor. Hey, you know, we want to come meet with you. And I took my wife with me because, you know, everybody's afraid of her. So, uh, and uh, nobody can meet me to her, right? So that's why I bring her along and... Uh, and so, but also as a witness, because, you know, I learned that, you know, that, now hopefully you can trust me, but I had, in fact, I told my pastor one time, I said, I can't trust you because you'll tell me face to face that you and I are okay. Then the very next thing you're in the pulpit telling everybody how wrong I am about everything. And thought, well, I want the pastor that told me five minutes ago, literally uh, a few minutes ago in the office that we're good. And then you get up and tell everybody in the church that I'm sorry. Right. Uh, and that's, that's dishonorable. Amen. Uh, now look, I love my pastor. I look forward to seeing him someday. Amen. I got no ill will towards him. Uh, I love him. I wish he was here. I, 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 I long for his presence. I long for his teaching because when he was good, he was, he was exceptional. Uh, and so, so we did. We met with him and, and gave him a check. And, I, and, I, and I, I mean, I wasn't hoping it would happen. I didn't have a thus set the Lord that it would happen. I just really thought that when I gave him the check, he'd just tear it up and say, okay, we're good. But the rascal cashed it, you know. <laughs> I can't believe he cashed that, you know, even today. I'm not mad about it, but just it just boggles my mind that, that he, would, he would do that, you know, and, and because I was there. I never told him to pay that money back. In fact, I told him he didn't have to pay it back, and I, I know I was there. Uh, and so, um, and, and in fact, I remember I repeated it at least three times because I know you've got to be very clear with this particular group of people there. Uh, you've got to be very clear, concise, and and. Make sure everybody's clear about what you're saying because words are misconstrued on purpose and twisted. And I mean, it was a mess, right, to, to get involved with people like that, you know. But it was, that, that's the, that was the deal, right? That was a job that, that I had for many years to be involved there. Uh, and so, uh, so we paid them back. And, and it got slightly better after that. Not much better, but slightly better after that. But, but really around that time is when I finally learned and found the place to get where uh, my heart could be where they could never... Uh, lord it over me anymore and once i got to that point you know i'm good the rest of my life you know i mean I, once you learn that we'll we're talk some more about that on sunday mornings but uh, when if you can ever learn that get to that point of faith in your life man it, it's a wonderful place to be amen it's a wonderful place to be but within three weeks i got a bonus check at work for twelve thousand six hundred dollars uh, and and i went i was kind of excited i went and told him hey you know i paid that money back but you know my, my uh, company gave me a check for twelve thousand six hundred dollars he wasn't as happy about it as I was, you know, because he, he, he was like, 
that'll show you, you know. I mean, he wanted to really meet for me to suffer, you know, for that, you know. And the Lord paid it back immediately. I mean, just, you know, he had to wait five years for it. Uh, and, and um, you know, just as a, as a minor aside on that, just two, two other points in that. One was, I, I would say, well, now he owes me $12,000. And, and I said that one time, and the Lord rebuked me. He said, don't you ever say that again. He said, I paid you that back. Nobody owes anybody any money. Like, yes, you're right, Lord. You know, so he doesn't owe me 12000 because the Lord paid his debt to me on his behalf, which means he loves him, right? Uh, and, you know, years later after my pastor died and we left the church after about five months and the Lord t- said it was time to go, I asked the Lord, you know, uh, in like two or three years after that, I said, Lord, why'd you ever have me to go to church there? Because it was insane. I mean, just crazy, right? Just people, I'll tell these stories, people like that didn't happen. Right, I tell her, you know, Miss Sandra comes up. I would never. I'd have taken my frying pan up, you know, because <laughs> she, she would, you know. How dare you talk to me like that? Uh, do some frying pan counseling there, you know? But I asked the Lord, oh, well, why'd you have me go to church there? Because you know, I, I'm not that person. I, I don't like politicking. I don't like. I don't like all this skullduggery stuff, you know, where these, you know, positioning. I mean, competition in church and you know, jockeying for position and and just all that carnality. It's so carnal so devilish and fleshly. You know, we're all in this together. We should be going somewhere together as a, as a spiritual body of the Lord Jesus, right? And I believe, I believe we are, you know, we're going somewhere. Uh, but, you know, and, and then what the whole church wasn't that way, but a lot of the leadership was because, you know, it, it starts from the top. Whatever the attitude and, and the, the philosophy that the top has, that's what attitude and philosophy oftentimes the, the leadership has in the church as well. Uh, and so, Lord, you know, why'd you have me go to church there? Because it just, it was hard, you know, and, and, I, and I learned valuable lessons, things that will serve me the rest of my life, both good and bad, right? And so it wasn't a complete waste of time going there, but, uh, you know, I felt like I never really did help anybody there. Uh, and, um, and so, uh, and that's what he told me. He said, he said, I had you to go there because you were the only one willing to stay there long enough to give them an opportunity to repent. And that's pretty tough right there, right? Uh, because... Uh, I saw that the love of God loved those people so much that he would send somebody like me to them to help them see how bad they were so that they could change and repent. Not because he wanted to lord it over them. Or, I, I was nobody. I was a sound man. I mean, you, it's at the bottom of the barrel. that right, Jared? You know, bottom of the barrel, sound man. Uh, and so, uh, you know, nobody likes a sound man, right? I mean, you hear you all like sound man, but at that church, you know, sound man was the redheaded stepchild, you know, twice removed and uh, and so uh, he said I needed somebody to stay there long enough to give them an opportunity to repent so see the only way that would happen is if I kept my hands clean see if you're if you're mean to me and I mean back to you then then I've not helped anybody right but if you're mean to me and I don't respond see then the Lord can deal with you that you're wrong he can deal with you that you need to repent Uh, see if I'm wrong and you're wrong then he's got nothing to do but if you're wrong and, and I stay right, then he can say, look, you harmed my servant over here. What you said was wrong. What you did was wrong to my innocent child. And you need to repent. And that's, that was my job. And I didn't know that until after I left, right? I didn't know that, you know, for all those years. Thank you, Lord, for telling me that after the fact, you know. Uh, but I'm not sure that, I, I mean, would I have stayed? Probably I would have stayed, I guess, you know. But that's a tough assignment, right? To be in a place where people are so mean your only job is there to, to be a reflection of the Lord Jesus and his love so that they have an opportunity to see the love of God and choose to repent and yet not, and not actually ever take that opportunity. That's tough. That's tough. And, and, and 
you know, I'm nobody in the body of Christ. I mean, you know, uh, nobody knows me. You know, someday maybe everybody will know me. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not prophesying that nobody will ever know me. But right now, you know, I mean, uh, I'm not exactly getting phone calls every day about, uh, hey, come speak to us or anything. But, but I would not be half the person I am today if I didn't walk through those years with my pastor. And, and I love the Lord so much. And I see how much he loves people because, I mean, when he showed me that, I saw the love of God in such a way that, you know, it, it, it's so amazing that, that he would love somebody. Now, I, I had to suffer for that, right? Did Jesus suffer for us? Jesus had to suffer for us so that we would have an opportunity to repent. And, and I'm not a substitutionary sacrifice like he was, but sometimes the Lord will send you to somebody and, and it'll be difficult on you because he loves them. And he loves them enough that he's going to send you to go help them. And didn't, he, didn't he love Nineveh well enough to send Jonah? He didn't. Nineveh was a horrible, horrible city, right? The worst. Didn't, he, didn't Abraham try to help out uh, Sodom and Gomorrah? You know, and so, so you know, the, the, these verses to me, are, they mean a lot to me. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Whatever the cost. You know, uh, so many times we just play church and, uh, and, you know, and I just wonder sometimes, I wonder, you know, I, I wonder about, you know, I look at the body of Christ and I see people do things in the name of God, in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of the Holy Spirit, you know, whatever. Uh, and I think, what, what's the point? What's the point of being that way instead of being what the word says? What's the point of, yeah, you won and you hurt somebody along the way. How is that a good thing? How you come out ahead? How is that advanced to anything for the Lord Jesus? Uh, and so, and people... You know, it's amazing how many Christians just lie to me, you know, on a regular basis. You know, uh, groups of people just, just look at you and just lie to your face, you know, Christians. And what's the point? What's the point of being a Christian if, that's, if, if you feel like lying is helpful to you, right? Uh, and look, I'm not expecting everybody to be perfect overnight. That's not my, my issue. It's just, but they'll just do it like it's just a normal thing. Part of, you know, I'm uncomfortable, so I'm going to lie and get my way out of this. And so, so that, that was verses 5 through 11. And then, then he shifts gears here. In verse 12, it says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, and so uh, where he said that always obeyed, uh, this is the connotation of, uh, it means to like open a door. Like when a visitor comes to your house uh, and, and they knock on the door and uh, your obedience is opening the door for them. And so, so if you look at it, that, that's really the way the Lord Jesus operates. You know, it's very rare that, uh, you know, and I've heard stories where, uh, where the Lord would tell somebody, you do this or else, right? And so it's kind of ominous, right? But most of the time, the Lord just says, do this. And there's no, there's no threat behind it, right? There's no warning behind it. It's just do this. And then, uh, so what he, what's he doing? He's knocking at your door. But then a lot of Christians just, yeah, I don't want to do that. And they'll just leave the door closed. And they think that because they left the door closed, you know, they weren't mean to the Lord Jesus. They didn't slam the door in his face. You know, they didn't say, go away. They didn't push the button and have a trap door, uh, take, take them out of the front porch or anything like that. They just didn't open the door. And they think, that was, you know, it's okay. It's not okay. Uh, he said that you've always obeyed. You've always opened the door when the Lord comes to you. And you think about it, that's really the great uh, Christian uh, plan that the Lord Jesus has done. He did all that work, spent thousands of years putting together the plan of redemption and executing it by finishing at the cross and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And then he hands all of that to the world and says, come follow me. 
Not making nobody do it. That didn't force anyone to do it. Even the disciples, he didn't force any of them to, to do it. Uh, and uh, and that's, that's the great plan, the way that the, the Spirit of God and the Lord Jesus generally works today in the church. Hey, do this. And then he'll just wait. Sometimes for days, weeks, months, sometimes years, decades. Uh, and he won't force the issue. He won't berate you. He won't beat you up. He won't threaten you. He, he's, uh, he's asking you to open the door. And that's why we want to have a tender heart with the Lord, right? Because when the Lord says something, we want, yes, sir, I'll be glad to do that. Instead of, Lord, you don't know what it's going to cost. You don't know what they've done to me. Lord, you know, it's so hard. You know, a bunch of lip, right? Blah, 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 you know? And the Lord's just like, oh, you know, here we go again, right? You know, the Lord wants people easy to be used, right? That's what he said, easy to be used. Uh, meat for the master's use, right? In, in other words, easy to be used. He wants, when, he, when I need somebody to do something, yeah, Lord, I do that, right? Instead of everybody going, you going to do it? You ever been in the corporate world? Yeah, I was in the corporate world for a lot of years, right? We need somebody to do this. Start calling ceiling tiles, you know. Nobody, no, no, no eye contact with a leader, right? No, you know, he starts counting out. And uh, that's not meat for the master's use, right? That's like, uh, in fact, I've, I had somebody tell me one time, uh, I'd asked people to do something in the churches many years ago, and they said, if you can't find anybody else to do it, they said, I'll do it. Like, I don't want your hand-me-down uh, servanthood, you know. What do you mean if you can't find anybody else to do it? Would you tell the Lord Jesus that? If you can't find anybody else to do it, I'll do it. I'll never ask you to do anything, ever, you know, ever, never. <laughs> and so, uh, but they always obeyed. Uh, now, he said, not as in my presence only. You know, it's always easy to obey when the pastor's around, right? Oh. Pastor's here, got straight out. Even my family, you know, most of the time when I show up, oh, pastor's here, you know, quit cussing, right? <laughs> so I think it's funny because, like, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, I'm not going to cuss and join you or anything like that, but, you know, uh, and I think it's fine. I think it's fine. People actually will honor the ministry that way, but, but he said, but now much more in my absence, work out your own uh, salvation and fear and trembling. Uh, and so, you know, they've been obedient uh, to live right uh, when he was with them, right? But now that he's not there, uh, it's, all, it's time for the limb right when he's not there. And, and you know, th this is, this is uh, our life right here, right? And, uh, and we'll finish up this verse and we'll go here. But, um, well, we won't finish up the verse because we've got a few other things to talk about, but we'll just talk about this one part of it. Uh, you know, it, it's helpful to have some level of, of uh, accountability, especially when you're young, you know, and, and Christian accountability. Uh, and, and I know that accountability has gotten a bad rap in the church right where pastors would start telling people who to marry what jobs to take what cars to buy you know stupid things like that right it's not my job to run your life right i am not your holy spirit i don't want that job i had a friend of mine ask me one time he said uh, he said chip he said if i ever if i'm ever doing anything wrong would you tell me i said no that's not my job that's the spirit of god's job because what he was wanting is to i'm gonna live however i want to and if you don't tell me then it's okay and then, then he's going to stand before the Lord Jesus. Well, he never told me he was wrong, so it's not my fault. So he, Don't throw me under the bus, but that was his plan, right? He didn't really write it down that way, but that was his plan. Well, I'm not your Holy Ghost, right? I, I'm, not your, I'm not going to hover over you, you know. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? When are you going to do that? When are you going to change? That, you know. But it is helpful to just be around in the presence of people who are doing right. Amen? It, it's helpful to be around good people. 
And sometimes in a church, they act like, you know, you don't, don't need to be around good people. You need to be around some sinners all the time. If all you were around was sinners, you would end up sounding like a sinner. I can guarantee you. First uh, Corinthians 15, 33, it's still true, right? Bad company corrupts good morals. That's, that's the New American Standard Version, Jared, in case you want to pull that up, because that's not what it says in the King James. But, uh, and so uh, it's true, right? So, you know, I'm around sinners because my desires help them get into the kingdom of God. But other people are around sinners because they want to act like sinners, and be like sinners, or even if they're in the church. And so, you know, so Paul was saying, look, I, I was with you. You did right. Uh, and, and he said, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And so, you know, there was some accountability, you know, and, and I, wrote, I wrote something down about this. It said, uh, as a perfectly mature Christian is also perfectly accountable. Accountability is not the reason we behave, but proof that we are. So we don't need to use each other as, well, you know, you're my crutch, you know, but, but it, is, it is good to encourage each other, right, to, to walk in love, right, to exhort, in fact, the Bible says exhort each other to walk in love. Well, that's accountability, right? Hey, walk in love. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes Christians are afraid to be who they are around other Christians. Uh, and oftentimes the reason why is because they tell dirty jokes or they, you know, they cuss or they, you know, gossip about everybody or they're, you know, whatever it is, you know, they have all these vices that they don't, they don't want to expose to people. And so, and so they become a hypocrite, right? They're one way, one person over here, different with this person over here. And a perfectly accountable Christian will be exactly the same everywhere they are. Now, look, you know, you don't have to expose your whole heart to everybody all the time. You know, that's what I'm talking about at all. But just you should be the person you are everywhere you are. Amen. Uh, and, and that's really, that allows accountability. There, there's a, there there's, uh, is always in the body of Christ people who don't want to attend church because they don't want to be accountable. They'll church hop, right? They'll go to this church. Well, I go to a lot of different churches. Oh, so you don't want to be accountable. You don't want to be accountable to be here, right? You don't want to be accountable to have a job in the church. You don't want to be accountable to live right. Uh, you know, they just want to float around and just do whatever they want to and never have anybody to say, you know, you might want to think about being faithful somewhere. Yeah. And then having a pastor tell them on occasion, hey, you might want to consider being faithful somewhere, right? Uh, and so accountability is a good thing. I think it's a good thing. Paul said, you know, you obey. So he's, he's checking up on him, right? You obeyed when I was with you. Now and I, I need you to obey when I'm not with you. And so what was he doing? He, he was showing them when he was with them how they should obey. So, number one, they were with him. Uh, and it should, should be to your advantage to be around people uh, that are good. Amen. I always wanted to be around people who, number one, knew more than I did, which is pretty easy to find, right? And, and, and number two, were more spiritual than I am uh, because I can learn from them. I want to be like them. Amen. Uh, and so, you know, I, I remember years ago uh, we, had a, we had a fellow uh, came to church here for a while, and, and, um, and look, he, he was living with somebody, and, um, you know, living with somebody's not right. It's, you know, I mean, he argued with it while we love each other, fine, still not, still not right, amen? You know, the Bible says you got to uh, get married, amen? Uh, and so, uh, but he was living with, with this person, and he told me, he said, I don't really love her, you know, I just, I'm just using her, you know? It's like, well, you're a horrible person, right? And I didn't say that, but I thought you were a horrible person, right? You're just, not only do you know it's wrong, but you're just taking advantage of this person. Uh, well, that's, you know, why are you a Christian then? I mean, if you're going to do that, if you know you're doing that, that's just horrible, right, to just use somebody like that. Uh, and, uh, and look, from my perspective, uh, and some people may disagree with this, but you're coming to church and, and not causing a, a, a problem in the church, 
then keep coming to church and hopefully the Lord will work out that salvation in you. Amen. Then you say work out your own salvation, right? And so, you know, there's a certain amount of, uh, look, I know with Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 5, you know, the man was with his, with his father's wife, you know, with his stepmom. And okay, that's just messed up, right? That's just weird anyway. But, uh, you know, sometimes you got to deal with open sin. But sometimes our sins are not, not that open. Even if I know about them, you know, it's not public and it's not causing a problem. And how else are you going to get help except to go to church? Amen. And some people, they're slow, right? They're slow to learn, to, to repent and, and get over things. So we're going to just burn everybody to the ground every time they make a mistake. I'm not of that opinion. You know, if the Lord says to deal with it or, you know, whatever, in whatever capacity, fine, I'll deal with it, whatever capacity. But I, I can't tell you how many times you said, just let it ride. Just let it go and, and we'll work it out. Okay, no problem, Lord. And so, uh, so it was fine. I mean, it was fine to come to church here, and, and we're not promoting it. We're not saying it's okay. It was wrong, but, you know, well, keep coming to church, you know. And I said, uh, uh, so one day he said, hey, I want to start cleaning the church for you all. Now we got a problem, right? So now you're in open sin, and now you want to do something for the church. And, you know, to be honest, you know, and I say this by the Spirit of God, he was doing that to see if I would give him a stamp of approval over his lifestyle. Well, if the pastor gave me a job, he must be okay with me doing this. See, people will manipulate you, right? And that's devilish. And so I said, well, come to the church. We'll talk about it. And so we talked about it. I said, so tell me the situation with you and so-and-so. Well, we're living together. You're married now. Well, why are you there? Well, I'm just using her. Well, you're a horrible person. I said, um, uh, well, you asked to, to, do, to do this. I said, so now if you take this role in the church, even though it's not like the most glamorous role or anything like that from the pulpit, but it's still a role in the church. I said, um, you think anybody else would, would notice or care that you're living with this person? Well, I don't know. Maybe, you know. I said, well, what do you think we should do? He said, well, I, I think we should just wait. I'm like, okay. So I asked him what, he, what, would, what I think we should do, which is the right answer, right? Uh, and then I, I, didn't, I didn't rebuke him, correct him about trying to manipulate the church to approve his lifestyle, you know, that because that wasn't going to help anything. I said, tell you what, why don't you, why don't you come by the church? I'm here during the week a lot. Just come by the church, hang out. We'll go to lunch or whatever, you know, just hang out. I used to, when I was, uh, I, when I was a master's student in school, uh, going to my church with my pastor, man, I, I had, you got a lot of free time as a student, you know, especially a master's student, you know, a master's degree is actually pretty easy, you know. It's, it sounds impressive, but it's really pretty easy, actually. Yeah, and so, it may not sound impressive to you, I don't know. Some people think it's impressive, right? But anyway, um, but I go just to hang out at the church. Hey, what are y'all doing? I work for to go fishing. Can I go? I'd go fishing with them, you know. And I'd listen to them, ask them questions, you know. And, and um, I'd just weasel my way in. And I said, just come by the church anytime. We'll go to lunch, you know, just spend some time. You know, you don't have to come every day. Just come every now and then. Why? Because I wanted to be an influence to his life. I wanted to, to give him some accountability that not, not to berate him, not to point my finger at him every day, but just being around somebody of good character would help him. And he's like, okay, yeah, sure, fine. And I thought, man, that's, that's, you know, maybe I can help him. Well, the night he calls me just crying. You're judging me, and you're, you know, you're so mean to me, and you're doing, I'm like, uh, no. I said, whose idea was it to you to not clean the church? It was mine, but you were judging me, and I, can you tell me how I judged you? I didn't judge him, you know, but he just got under so much conviction, and and then twisted everything so that he could have an excuse to leave the church so he wouldn't be accountable. I'm a, I mean, look, I, I ain't lost a wink of sleep over it, not even a wink, you know. I pray for him and, Lord, help him as best he can, but, you know, it's just, 
you know, you're going to do stupid things, and stupid people are stupid people, right? And, and so uh, you just, uh, it's unfortunate, but, but uh, Paul was saying, look, I, when I was with you, you did good. Now I've left you, you, you still need to do good, right? And we'll talk a little bit about more about that later on. But what I want to encourage you all to do in that is, you know, ha- allow there to be some accountability. The, the Philippians were accountable to Paul. Again, was, was Paul their Holy Ghost? He was not their Holy Ghost. But it's good to be around people that will challenge your, your, your everything, right? Just challenge everything. I like being around people like that, you know. I, I, I love being around Dr. Dufresne because he's scary. I don't know if you ever knew him when he was around, but he was scary big prophet, you know. And, and he would just tell you like it was, right? And just, you know, I remember one time a pastor picked him up to the airport, at the airport to uh, take him to this church for a service, and he got there late. He said, yeah, he said, Dr. Frank, sorry I'm late, there was traffic. He said, well, you should have left earlier then, which was actually correct, right? Because, I mean, he said, you knew where you live, where there's traffic at 5 o'clock at night, then you should have left earlier. Well, you people, well, that's harsh. Man, maybe it's harsh, maybe it's not, you know, but sometimes we're sloppy in our Christianity, right? Sometimes we're just sloppy, and it don't matter, you know? Everything matters, right? Uh, and so I have no problem with people like that, you know? Now, you don't have to be mean about it, you know? He was kind of mean about everything, you know? He's, he's, but you know sometimes it's it's tough to be around people just just sloppy you know just do things halfway just you know i don't like doing things halfway you know i I like them done all the way amen uh and so so is is accountability a good thing i think it's a good thing is accountability replacing the holy spirit in your life it is not replacing the holy spirit and in church or ministry or pastor or, or uh, prophet who says otherwise is out of the will of God. You know, uh, there's nobody between you and the Holy Spirit, right? I'm not between you and the Holy Spirit. I am not your Holy Spirit. But uh, it's good. You, you should want to hang around the pastor, right? You should want to hang around the pastor's wife. and uh, it's, it's good for you, amen? Uh, and you all do a great job. You know, I got no problem with that. But, um, but sometimes, you know, the, and these are uh, helpful things for us to know because the goal is to get better every day, right? The goal is to look like more, more like the Lord Jesus every day, Amen. Uh, and I think we can get there. Uh, I think we will get there if we'll, we'll keep pressing in. So we'll, we'll finish up uh, uh, verse 12 next week because I want to talk a little bit about uh, work, what does it mean to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for, for his word today. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that your word lives big and on the inside of us. And we thank you for that, Father. We thank you that we can work out our own salvation with fear and trembling and that we are accountable to each other. And Father, that means that we don't run each other's life, but we just encourage each other to press into the things of God each and every day. And we thank you for these things, Father, and we give you the praise and the honor for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this evening's offering, and uh, appreciate you coming out. Is it, uh, it's not quite dark out there, right? We're after June now, so I think days are getting shorter, and um, I've got a splinter in my hand, I guess, from rubbing on the walls today somewhere. Y'all feel sorry for me? Y'all, Chris is feeling sorry for me there, right? And so, come ahead, Mr. Jared. I remember the first time I tried to take a splinter out of one of my girls, uh, I think it was her foot or something like that. I'm like the medical doctor at home, you know, uh, and um, I hadn't even touched her. And you thought I had stabbed her in an eyeball with an ice picker. I mean, just screamed, this horrible scream, like, I didn't even touch you yet, you know. And it wasn't really a big thing. I got it out for not much trouble, you know, but I'm used to digging in with a needle, you know, and taking it out there, whatever, you know. It just... Uh, uh, but uh, you thought, uh, it's still a funny story, though, you know, we still laugh about it now, like, ah, I ain't touched, you know, there, so, if anybody wants to, to jerk this uh, splinter out of my hand, I'll let you do that in a while, so, well, be blessed, and, and, and uh, I would covet your prayers for Sunday, just to continue praying 
just uh, all the meetings to go well and the Lord speak as he wants to speak and, and for us to be receptive as we need to be receptive. Amen. Uh, and so just to be praying for that and invite people to the meetings. We put out some Facebook advertising. So hopefully they'll, they'll let people know. And, um, and hopefully some people that, that know about his ministry in the area will come and visit him as well. Um, and so I'm looking forward to it. I think you'll be blessed by his ministry there, right? And so, yep. Yeah. Okay. So Miss Mildred's husband is not well. Okay. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's not like him. He's a hard worker. So. Oh yeah. We'll be hearing from Miss Mildred's uh, husband then. So. Um, all right. And don't always have church meal. And who's bringing the dessert? Johnny, you're bringing the dessert, right? For the fireman. We got to go tell the fireman tomorrow about the meal on Sunday, right? So we'll go do that uh, tomorrow. We got tomorrow, Friday or Saturday to tell him. All right. We'll be blessed. We'll see you all on Sunday.